Hi, this is Robert Furrow, and welcome to TruthQuest Podcast. This is our Q&A, where we look at questions through the lens of Scripture. Our desire is to know what God's Word says so we can know what to believe, rightly dividing the Word of God. If you have a question, you can write the word question down, then write out your question, reread it, make sure it makes sense, add any references that you have, we'll be able to answer those references. Today, we're going to look at the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, and we want to take questions that are related to that. That's what we're covering today. We're right in the middle of it. Uh, Hamas attacked Israel about 14 days ago. There have been skirmishes ever since. There have been skirmishes or um, rockets and artillery exchanged up in the north with Lebanon and Hezbollah, also in Syria as well. Uh, there are a lot of people who are saying that Israel brought this upon themselves. In fact, last Friday, Hamas declared a day of rage in which in the United States, even some Ivy League schools and other large schools and large cities had pro-Palestinian rallies or pro-Hamas rallies. They interviewed these students in these rallies and they didn't know their history. They'd only believed what they had been told rather than knowing exactly what has happened. They called Israel an apartheid state. Israel is not an apartheid state, has never been one. They said that Israel has been occupying the Palestinian people. A, a large number of the Palestinians that are in the area of what is Israel proper, the, all of them in the area of Israel proper, are Israeli citizens and have the right to vote. That's why they're not an apartheid state. So I thought it would be good for us to cover, again, the history of what has taken place in the land of Israel. First of all, we know that all the way back in 1300, uh, the children of Israel left Egypt and ended up in the area of what is Israel today, um, led by Joshua. We know the kingdom of Israel started with King David. And we have archaeological evidence in the Dan Stone, you can look this up, that has the house of David mentioned 900 years before the time of Christ. And it has the nation of Israel referenced on it as well. So the name Israel was Jacob, uh, the Isaac's son, the son of Abraham, was renamed Israel, which basically is uh, ruled by God. And so the land was called Israel as far back as 900 years B.C. And then all down until finally the Romans took control and the Romans occupied the area of Israel and destroyed Israel in 70 AD. The, um, the, there was a war in 136, which the Israelis almost won, but they were driven out by the Romans and they were dispersed around the world in what today is Eastern Europe, Western Europe, uh, the Middle East, literally all around the world, the Jews were dispelled and didn't fall under any kind of Muslim control because Muslim, they, until the 7th century, there was no Islam. In 639, Islam uh, took control of the land and Arabs controlled it in one form or another all the way up until basically 1918, the Ottoman Empire being the last to control the area that at this point was being called Palestine as a slight against the people of Israel or denying them a right to the land. In uh, the, the Ottoman Empire had destroyed the land, they'd cut down the trees, they'd salted the land, but there was always a Jewish presence inside the land. Before World War, in, uh, before World War one, there was a small group of people who were there. They were beginning to turn, return to Israel. There was a desire to have an, uh, a homeland for the people of Israel. And uh, then in World War I, the Ottomans sided with the Germans. And the, the uh, British, needing to, to be able to win the war over the Ottomans, promised land to Israel to appease the influential Israelis or Hebrews or Jews that lived in Russia or the United States or in other places, but they also needed the Arabs to fight for them against the Ottoman Empire. And so they promised the Arabs that they could have a homeland as well. So they promised it to Israel and they promised it to the Arabs. In, 19, uh, in 1918, 
1917, there was a, the Belfort Agreement where Israel was promised the land of Israel, what is today, including the, the, the West Bank and the Gaza Strip and Jordan. But in 1920, it was given to the Jordanians as an Arab state. Jordan was given to the, uh, to the Arabs as an Arab state. And then Britain took over control of the area of Israel in what was called the British Mandate area. And uh, the, there was different clashes and fights between Arabs attacking Jews who were living in the area because they did not want them to exist. And then in 1947, Britain gave up control to the UN of the area and in 1948, it was declared that both could have an independent nation. They gave 56% of the land to Israel, 44% to the, the, the Arabs. Maybe because they'd given Jordan already over to the Arabs' people, but the Arabs thought that that was unfair. Not only did they think it was unfair, they said they would not have a state as long as Israel was in the area. In other words, they wanted to wipe Israel off the map. And so Israel declared themselves a nation. I think it was May 15th or May 14th of 1948. Israel declares themselves a nation. They are immediately attacked by the Arabs on all sides. And when the lines are drawn, they have taken back a portion of, are they taken a portion of Jerusalem, which was to be given to the, the Palestinians. Uh, Jerusalem was supposed to be an independent state under the suggestion of a Palestinian state and an, and an Arab state. Israel became a nation. And less than 20 years old, in 1967, they learned that the Arab, Arabs around them wanted to attack them. And so they struck preemptively, and for the first time, they took the area of Jerusalem. They took some of the Golan Heights, they took the Negev, and they took the Sinai Peninsula in 1967. So significant land was won by Israel. Israel won two wars, miraculously. Now, all this time, the Bible has said that Israel was going to be a nation in the last days. Jesus even said that Jerusalem would be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles was fulfilled. And in 1967, Israel controlled Jerusalem once again. We could say in 67, the time of the Gentiles was fulfilled. But they gave back to Jordan control over the Temple Mount. So that's the portion of Israel that is controlled by someone else now, even to this day, even though there are Israeli police that, that guard the area. In 1973, there was the Yom Kippur War. Many of us are familiar with that now. It was on the 50-year anniversary that Hamas attacked Israel and did the awful things that Hamas has done. And um, Israel was caught off guard, but they were able to once again win and establish their land. Now, in 1973, there have, since 1973, there have been several peace treaties. First of all, in 1979, there was a peace accord with Egypt. They gave them back the Sinai Peninsula as a trade for a quiet peace, an uneasy peace. In 1987, when there were talks about giving Palestine and Gaza their own rule, they didn't want it. And they started the first intifada, which is the conflict. You'll remember this by riots, um, Israelis being ambushed and killed, and uh, uh, suicide bombers strapping bombs onto themselves and blowing them up in different places in Israel. I went, in, that's in 1987. In 1988, I made my first trip to Israel, and I saw a store that had been blown up by a suicide, uh, by someone committing suicide by blowing uh, themselves up. In 1993, there were the Alazo um, uh, Accords, and they were, again, offered self-rule. They rejected it and turned and attacked Israel. In 2000, there was the Camp David negotiations, and again, they gave them as much as they would ever give them, self-rule in Palestine, the Gaza, the Gaza Strip, self-rule there. They refused it, turned, and attacked again. In 2005, Israel decided they had enough in the Gaza Strip area. Too many lives were being lost, and they withdrew, gave the land to the Palestinians that were there, gave them electricity, gave them water, gave them the natural gas resources that were there. They had a border with Egypt and a coastland, and they could have made of it what they would. 
but in 2006 they voted in Hamas. And there has been tensions between Hamas and Israel from this day. Every so often Hamas will shoot rockets from the Gaza Strip over. There will be strikes back in Gaza. There are claims of civilian deaths. This just goes back and forth. There's been a war in Lebanon at which Israel was successful, but then withdrew from the area. Uh, and this was years ago, but withdrew from the area only to have that continue to be a place where people are attacking Israel from. Uh, Israel today, although they believe a two-state solution won't work, why would you when the people around you want to wipe you off the face of the earth? Uh, Hamas, Hezbollah, and Syria are all proxies of Iran who say that they want to kill then destroy Israel and the United States. They are literally surrounded by enemies. And this is why we believe that they have a right to defend themselves, to do the things that they need to do to be able to be in the proper place. Um, never has Israel ever wanted to wipe out the Palestinians. They have at times built walls uh, during the second, after the second intifada, building walls in areas to be able to try to make Jews safe, um, at times attacking the Hamas area after they had been, there had been missile attacks over into Israel, which is uh, really similar to what we are seeing today taking place. But it's, it's amazing to me the statements that were made by these students and have even been headlined in the media not understanding the history of what's taking place here. Now, from a Christian perspective, hey, we understand that Israel was always going to be back in the land. God had promised in Ezekiel 36 he was going to restore the land, he was going to restore the people to the land, he was going to restore the power to the people in the land, and will eventually restore the nation of Israel. This is where when people say, well, the church is Israel. In Romans 11, 25 and 26, it says, don't be ignorant of this. I, I don't want you ignorant of this. That blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles, uh, yeah, until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. So blindness has happened to the people of Israel. But when the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, it goes on to say, they will all be saved. The Bible says in the book of Zechariah that he, God will pour out a spirit of mercy and grace on Jerusalem and they will mourn for him as one who mourns for an only son when they look upon him whom they've pierced, Zechariah 12.10. So all of these point to a nation, the nation of Israel being around in the last days and to God working with them and they have not been a terrorist state. The Palestinians, the PLO, Hamas, uh, other organizations have been terrorist states and they are uh, terrorist states to this day. And uh, there just needs to be some clarity. So I thought I would go ahead and do a Q&A on this today. It's good to see you guys here. Good to have you here with us. If you have any questions today, we'd like to take them um, about the this uh, crisis with uh, Israel. So uh, we have a question from Fact Check These Hands and Fact Check These Hands says, could this war uh, could this war lead to the building of the third temple? If so, do you believe it's built before or after the rapture? So those of you who are watching this, thanks Doc, check these hands. Uh, those of you who are watching this, um, Jesus talked about a time that would be worse than anything that this world has ever seen. We call it the tribulation period. And the Bible has two passages in 1 Corinthians 15 and in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 where it talks about a resurrection. That's the larger event. Those who are alive and then those who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And that's what's called the rapture. I think it's an unfortunate term, um, although that's what we call it today because it's, it's a smaller part of a larger event, which is much more profound, and that's the resurrection of those in Christ, both Old Testament and New Testament believers. Some people believe that this resurrection will happen before this awful time Jesus talked about, we call the tribulation period the last seven years. Some believe that it will happen afterwards. So fact check these hands is asking if this could lead to the rebuilding of the third temple. So there is a movement today in Israel for the third temple to be rebuilt. 
uh, the Dome of the Rock sets on what traditionally is the site of the Third Temple. However, there is the Dome of the Spirits that is next to it, and you could build the temple there, and there's a passage that talks about the rebuilding of the temple. Um, the Bible talks about the Third Temple being rebuilt in the book of Ezekiel and in the book of Revelation and then various other passages in the Bible. It talks about a wall being built between the profane and the holy. Many people, there are those who believe that the Dome of the Spirit, which has bedrock under it from Mount Moriah, is the place where the Ark of the Covenant was and will be the place where the Ark of the Covenant is again. Um, under In the Dome of the Rock, there's a square area where people believe the Ark of the Covenant had been placed. But we don't really know where Solomon's temple was because there's no archaeology allowed on top of the Temple Mount. If archaeology were allowed there, we would be able to find out exactly where the temple was. There is the Temple Institute, which has a lot of money and has built a lot of the instruments, has trained a lot of the priests. There's been land that's been built over on Mount Olivet, which is where the red heifer was to be killed. There are red heifers now in Israel. You have to burn and sacrifice a red heifer to be able to uh, sanctify the temple that's being rebuilt. There is a movement among uh, mostly ultra-Orthodox Jews to rebuild the temple today. It will be rebuilt. We've seen Israel come back into the land. We've seen Jerusalem once again under control of, of, of Israel, just as Jesus said it would. Uh, we have Jesus himself said that Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. And so the Jews have returned to Jerusalem, and we're going to see that happen, and the third temple will be rebuilt. It has to be before the middle of this tribulation period I was talking about, because the Antichrist sets up the abomination of desolation, according to the book of Revelation, in the in the temple, and that's when the Jewish people realize that Jesus is their Messiah, and they are all saved. They return to, they receive Jesus as their Messiah. It seems far-fetched today, but there are more Jews being saved, coming to Christ in Israel now than ever before. So many that there, there's a group in the Knesset that are trying to pass a law that if you try to win anyone over to, to Christ, that you could do as much a, of a, as a, a year in jail if it is someone who is younger. So could this war lead to the building of the third temple? Uh, I think we'll have to wait to see how this whole thing shakes out. Um, there's also another passage in the Bible that says that God's going to bring this, this um, affiliation of nations against Israel to a people who, who live in peace. So the question has also been asked, could this war cause there to be peace finally in the Middle East that would be there for a while before uh, what, what uh, the Bible calls the Gog and Magog war. So I think fact check these hands. We have to let this shake out a little bit to see what's the end of this all. There will be international pressure. There already is because of the destruction of the hospital. And I don't even know that the hospital was hit. There's a parking lot hit by the hospital. I don't even know that the hospital was, was hit. I don't know enough about it to make any um, definitive statements about it right now. But there is pressure already from the international community for Israel to stop its campaign and to not go into, um, into the Gaza Strip. There is an offer on the table by Hamas to return the, the, those that they took captive by, by stopping the, the aggression that's taking place by Israel today. And of course, what does that mean for all of those who had been killed by this incursion? What will it mean in the future when they continue to plan and prepare and technology goes on and weapons become more and more sophisticated and they continue to control and to launch attacks out of the Gaza Strip, which is right next door to Israel? I don't know that they can take that, really. In knowing the way that things are progressing technologically, uh, they have to get control of their borders and they have a right to be able to do that and... Um, President um, Biden is in Israel, even as, as we're making this video today. Um, 
And uh, so Fact Check These Hands um, says, did you get a chance to follow up on uh, Zephaniah 2, 4 through 8? I'm sorry, I didn't. I was out of town for a couple of days. And um, so I just, wa just was not able to do that. All right. Um, so we have a question from Jari. Uh, Jari, good to see you. Jari says, question, is there a connection between the Palestinians and the Philistines? I've heard that they were descendants of the Philistines. What are your thoughts on this? Okay, so I have a lot of thoughts on this, especially recently. Um, I was challenged on a statement that I made in another video, so I took time to go back and look at it. And here's what I meant to say. The Philistines and the Palestinians are not connected. The origin of who they are is not connected at all. They are not the descendants of the Philistines. Now, if you look at the territory that the Philistines had, and you look at the territory that the Palestinians have in the Gaza Strip, they share some territory. But Israel was called Palestine by the Romans to be able to make a separation uh, between Israel and their right to the land. To be able to try to stop the right that Israel would have to the land, they called it Palestine. And it was called Palestine for a long time. Even in the early part of the 1900s, um, Palestine was, Jews lived in Palestine. Um, Palestinians lived there because that's what it was called under the Ottoman uh, Empire and what it had been called under, um, under the Roman Empire. They called it that to try to separate it from them. Now, is the word Palestinian connected to the word Philistine? And there seem, the etymology of the word or the idea where the word comes from seems to come from the word Philistine, uh, Philistines. But I've yet to see a real connection between the two, although many people will say that. I don't know. We do know that they, they claimed the word Palestine as an insult against the Jews. So maybe it is connected to the Philistines, but don't make the mistake of thinking that they're the same people. That's the mistake people made, that the Philistines are the Palestinians that live in the area of Israel. They absolutely are not. And when people say such things, and you hear this from time to time, it is, um, it is uh, reckless. If you're gonna make a statement then go back and look it up and find out whether or not it's true before you make it. This is unfortunate, but it is true uh, for Christians that oftentimes there are statements that are made from the pulpit, other pastors will pick them up and they'll become Christian myth. Like um, there was a dump, a burning dump during the days of Jesus in Gehenna. That's a Christian myth. It never took place. Like the Russians drilled a hole and they heard screams that sounded like people in torment. That's a, a Christian myth. Pastors end up picking those things up. And so we've got to go back and check them out. So yes, there is a connection between the word, it looks like Palestinian and Philistine, but there is not a connection between Palestinians and the people who were the Philistines. They were people from Greek, the Greek islands who had made their way over and um, there was not a connection. Uh, you go on to say, Jari, um, I've heard they are the descendants of the Philistines. What are your thoughts on this? All right, so I went ahead and explained that. Uh, we have a question from Brooklyn. Brooklyn, good to see you here. Brooklyn says, with both religious Jews and religious Muslims thinking that they are God-given this land to them, would you support a purely secular humanist solution for peace? Um, I would always, thank you, um, Brooklyn, for your question. I would always support a, a solution for peace. And if someone who was secular and humanist came up with an idea that would bring peace to the region of the Middle East, then I would be all for it. I have no, I have nothing against well, a, a, a humanist uh, in a political arena or uh, what was the other word you used here? Um, uh, a secular humanist? I have, yeah, I have no problem with a secular humanist. I am not, we in Calvary Chapel are not, are not nationalists in the sense that we believe that our nation should be run by Christians. We don't think there's any problem with Christians being voted in and Christians being able to make decisions and we wanna vote in people that have our views and would back up what we believe that's true, but we don't have any problem with someone being secular 
uh, or being a humanist. In fact, Brooklyn, and, and maybe, I don't know if you know this or not, but a lot of the Jews that started the Zionist movement, um, like Theodore Herzl um, and Ben-Gurion, were not what you think they are. They weren't religious zealots like you think they are. Uh, in fact, in Israel, most of the people are secular. There's a very small section that are Orthodox Jews, or a very small um, um, percentage, which are Orthodox Jews. They're very religious. Uh, there is um, a larger section which would, would practice Judaism, but the largest section is secularism. The same thing is in the United States, Brooklyn, that um, in the United States, uh, we too still have today most people who are secular. Most people, for example, in government that are secular. Rarely is it a, a, a Christian that we would call a genuine Christian that becomes a genuine Christian. So yes, Brooklyn, we would support any kind of peace. In fact, according to what the Bible says, there will be a peace that will happen in Israel. And that very well could be brought around by someone who is purely um, secular. Many of the Jewish leaders today are purely secular. That's why it's kind of, what's the right word here? It's, it's uninformed to call this a religious war because the government in Israel is not religious. The, the people of Israel are mostly secular. On the other side, you have fundamentalists in Islam that want to see Israel wiped off the face of the earth. So um, I think maybe getting a, a good idea on the first part of this that yes, Jewish Jews are, 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 is a religion, but a lot of them are secular like there are a lot of Christians in America. I think, I think the last time a poll was taken, 85% of people in America said they were Christians. Brooklyn, you and I both know that 85% of people aren't Christian. They may, have, they may have been brought up in a church or what are they going to call themselves. Uh, in fact, a further study of what percentage of the United States, and this is uh, Natasha Crane's material, um, and um, you can look into her writings for this. Um, a study was done on a biblical worldview. They asked questions, not are you a Christian, but what is your biblical worldview, and found that around 4% of people today have a genuine biblical worldview. I would, I, would, I would be one of those that would have a biblical worldview. The vast majority of Americans are secular even though we were established as a so-called Christian state, um, right? We are, you know, we, everyone has been given inalienable rights by God. Um, you could go back and look at the founding letters that were written and God was mentioned, um, but the United States has become highly secular. And so has, um, and so has Israel. There are those today who want to make, uh, they, they are Christians who are nationalists, wanting to make the United States purely Christian. And, you know, that's, I don't think that will ever happen. Uh, they actually want to Christianize the entire world. And by Christianizing the entire world, they don't mean like, I would want to see people come to Christ, Brooklyn. I want to see people see that Jesus is, indeed, he lived, he died, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, and he rose on the third day. And around the world, Christianity has been established. And we, can, we have evidence for all of the things that have happened and take place. So I would want to see that. I don't want to make the world Christian because the Bible says don't love the world or the things of this world. We see it as a separation of those things. So yes, I would support um, wholeheartedly, 150%, even though you couldn't have that, um, a secular humanist solution to peace um, all around the world, if that were the case. I, I, I would support peace given by anyone, all right? So um, we have a, an answer from, uh, is it Scrappy? Thank you, Brooklyn, by the way. Is it Scrappy? Scrappy says, um, can you explain the, the U.S., the U, can you explain to us the connection between Islamic terror and Nazism? My research points to Haja Amin Ali Haswain as the grandfather of the Islamic um, Nazism. Uh, yeah, Scrappy, uh, I can tell you what I know. 
So you, having done more research on this, may know more than I do about it. I do know that in World War II, the, the Jews who were in the land of Israel supported the Allies and the Arabs that were in the area supported uh, Hitler. And that there was a connection to the Nazism and the way that Nazis were doing things and the way that the Arabs that supported Hitler did. I don't know because I've never looked into it. I don't know the extent of this. I know that it happened. I know that it's true. I don't know what percentage of Arabs were involved in it. I think, I think a large percent, but I can't really speak to it because I haven't taken time to really look into it and to see exactly what it says. Um, but what I do know is that the, the Arabs in the area, especially of Israel, supported um, Hitler in that time. And it kind of makes sense because Hitler wanted to destroy the Jewish people and the Arabs in the area wanted to destroy the Jewish people as well. Remember, the Arabs fought against Germany in World War I, but they were with Germany in World War II. I don't know a whole lot other than that. So I appreciate that. Um, I'll put your question back up on here for just a couple of seconds while I look for another one. If anyone wants to look up the name that's here and uh, so you can do your own research on it, I think that would be great. Um, it's something I want to look into in the future. Um, just, you know, time's limited, right? Uh, it's hard to look into everything. But I appreciate your question, all right? So thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, we have a question from... Um, from Lisa, and Lisa says, question regarding spiritual battles and angels who oversee nations. Which angel is over Israel? All right, so thank you, Lisa. I appreciate your question. So in the book of Daniel, we have Gabriel showing up to Daniel and answering his prayer and says, and he'd been praying for 21 days. He says, on the first day that you prayed, I was dispatched but I've been fighting against the prince of, of Greece. Now, in Ephesians, it says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and a spiritual host in heavenly places. This is, this is the spiritual warfare we're in. And so we're told to put on our armor, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the feet prepared with the gospel, the, the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith. And then we stand and pray because we wrestle against these spiritual forces and principalities are mentioned there. And then it says, when he leaves, I must go and wrestle against the prince of Persia. And I think it's actually fights the prince of Persia on the way and the prince of Greece when he leaves. So these two princes that Gabriel as an angel had to battle against, I believe is connected to the principalities that the Bible makes mention of when it talks about the things that were made that were unseen. And so then, in, and let me go ahead and pull this up for you. Uh, then in Daniel chapter 12, let me go ahead and show you this. Verse 1, it says, uh, it says this. In the third reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave, oh, where am I at? I'm actually in Daniel chapter 1. So let me go to Daniel 12, 1. Um, all right, by the way, there's a lot of history in the book of Daniel, and all of the history is accurate, all right? And um, it's, it, it is actually pretty amazing. He's even accurate in areas where there were, it was thought to be an error, but there were new discoveries that were made that found out that he was accurate in those areas. So people attacked it in the past saying that it was inaccurate, but found out it, it to be extremely accurate. And um, so let me go ahead and show you this now. Uh, this is the end of the book of Daniel. It says, at that time, Michael shall stand up. Now that's Michael, the archangel, the great prince. Now, no, I was talking to you about principalities and powers and Gabriel fighting against the prince of Persia, the prince of Greece, who would be demonic angels that are over territories. Now you have Michael, the great prince standing up who stands watch over the sons of your people. So this is Daniel. Daniel's Jewish, so Michael the archangel would be the angel over the people who are Jewish. And so this is at the end of the age, during that seven-year trial and tribulation period, which is, according to Jeremiah 37, 
it is a time of Jacob's trouble but he will be saved out of it. Again, in Jeremiah 30, verse 7, we have this promise that Israel will be in the tribulation period, but they're going to be end up being saved out of it. And at that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands up for the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. Even to that time, and at that time, your people shall be delivered. And so here we have it again, just like Romans 11, 25, and 26, uh, Zechariah 12.10, uh, Jeremiah 37, and here we have the people of Israel being delivered during the worst time this world will ever see, which is one of the reasons that we don't believe the post-tribulation view that the world's going to be better and better and better and that we're going to Christianize the world. We don't see things that way in the Bible at all, uh, but your people are going to be delivered. Every one of them who is written in the book uh, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame, the shame, to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many into righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So that tells us that the, the prince over the nation of Israel is Michael the archangel. And I think that he is still the prince over the nation of Israel today. There's no reason for us to think that any of that has indeed changed. All right. So thank you very much, uh, Lisa, um, for that. Uh, that's uh, a great question. And um, we have a question from Psychman. Psychman says, um, have you heard of Hitler's book, Mein Kampf? Yes, I have and the word jihad both mean the same thing that they both refer to the inner struggle thanks hope all is well with you and the family thank you uh psych man hope all is well with you as well um i don't i have never looked up uh, i thought um jihad was holy war mein kampf i've never looked up what it is uh, we could take time to do that but that's something that we can do i'll leave this up here for a moment um so uh, I, I will take a look into that. I'll add it to my list of things that I want to research. Um, I would not be surprised to find out that you're absolutely correct, that they are, that they are connected. All right. Um, so uh, we have a question. Uh, my colleague friend asked me a question about what I would think about uh, if someone comes to my house and attacks and, and, and kicks me out claiming that they lived here more than a thousand years ago. So again, Kyung, this is, this is building a narrative that is just not true. The, when Israel declared itself a nation, in their documents in declaring themselves a nation, they said they wanted the Palestinians that were in their region to remain. That's the reason that Palestinians today are Israeli and can vote. And there are, on, the, on their Supreme Court, what would be the equivalent of their Supreme Court, there's Palestinian sets on it. Um, in um, their government, there is a party that is led by Palestinians because they've had that. It's the other way around that the Palestinians have been trying and not all of them, right? Because, I mean, we start, we start talking in these terms and it looks like we're, we're, we're talking as if all of them are a, a part of this and all of them are revolting. But there are, the Palestinian leadership has been wanting to destroy Israel and drive them out of the land. And so this question could be reversed completely because it's the Palestinians who have wanted these kind of things to happen and who have driven Israel out from what is their land and have tried to drive them out, but they end up remaining in the land. So I've heard a lot of these kind of um, questions that are meant to make people side with the Palestinian leadership on what the Palestinian leadership wants to do. They could have, they could have became a nation in 1948. They could have declared themselves a nation and they had the West Bank and what would be even larger than the Gaza Strip area why didn't they do it then? No one was driving them out of their land. The Jews that were in the Palestinian areas would have presumably either 
stayed and been treated okay or moved to the Israel section. The Israel section said they wanted the Palestinians to stay there. So never have they been driven out of their land. Uh, they are, are living in their land. Uh, in, in the West Bank, they're under mostly Palestinian control. In the Gaza Strip, they've been under Palestinian control since 2005. There hasn't even been, been um, there's been skirmishes where Israel's gone in to put out skirmishes, but there hasn't been a controlling presence in the Gaza Strip since 2005. Much of the West Bank is under Palestinian control. No one's kicking them out of their land. No one's going in and removing them from their land. No one has has gone, no, no Jew has gone in and taken land that used to belong to Palestinians. Uh, many, many of it was, was purchased. It belonged to Britain under the British mandate. Britain gave it to the UN to divide out sections and Israel accepted it and the Palestinians didn't. So I would just say, um, I would just say, that the, the question assumes something that is incredibly false. But this is the narrative that they want you to believe. This is the narrative. This is one of the reasons that I decided to do this live stream today because the narrative that I heard from the students on what was supposed to be the day of rage was not even true. None of it was true. As someone who knows has been to Israel um, over 15, 16 times, I've lost count how many times I've been there. As someone who knows people who are Jewish and Palestinian, as someone who understands the conflict, was there during the first and second, actually was in Israel at, uh, at times during the first and second intifada, visiting during those times, understanding the things that have happened. So the first intifada was in 87. I was there in 88 for my very first time. And we've gone every few years ever since. And um, no people in the land understand the dispute. And so when I hear these kind of narratives given, you're just believing a narrative that is a lie. Hey, say something long enough that's a lie and people start to believe it. That was Hitler's view. You know, t tell somebody a lie enough and they'll begin to believe that that lie, uh, that, that lie is true. All right. So Kimberly says, Kimberly Fox says, um, who are the dead in Christ who rise? Um, were they before Jesus? If so, how are they in Christ? And if that, were, if they were born after Christ came, uh, they aren't. Um, why aren't they in heaven? All right. So, Kimberly, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna give a quick answer to this. So, we're looking today specifically for questions about the nation of Israel. But let me just answer your question quickly. Um, the dead in Christ, the Old Testament saints believed, and had faith accredited to them. In, I think it's, it's Genesis 18. Abraham believes God and it's accredited righteousness. He never hears the name of Jesus, uh, but yet he believes. And because he believes uh, what God is, the light God's given him, then God gives him righteousness. And the Old Testament saints are saved by Jesus. It's accredited to them righteousness. So they are in Christ because there is no other name given under heaven whereby men can be saved except the name of Jesus. And as far as those who are left behind in the tribulation period, they, they will be in Christ as well, but they will die and they will wait till the end of the tri tribulation period to be resurrected. All right. So I'll give you, you can bring this question up again in a future Q&A, Kimberly. I'd love to be able to give you more. Today we would look at um, trying to look at just questions um, that have to do with the Israeli Hamas conflict. All right. So um, Keith has a question that is given by um, Melissa. Um, uh, part one, hi, Pastor Robert. Keep seeing social media comments that the Jews currently in Israel are not the real Jews. All right, let's bring in part two of our question, which says, um, since they don't believe Jesus was their Messiah, and the true Christians are being deceived by supporting them. Uh, Revelation 3.9 was used as a reference. Uh, can you help? Yes, I can help a lot. Um, so, just as there are Holocaust deniers, there are those who deny that the people in Israel are really Jewish today. 
and um, there's a wide section of people who would believe this. It is obviously um, a lie. Uh, the people in Israel have Jewish backgrounds. Uh, they have traditions that have been handed down to them. Remember, Jews live differently, and because they live differently, they were able to keep their identity. And there have always been groups of people who try to steal the identity of the Jews. And I mean, we go back to Joseph Smith saying that the American Indians were, were, were Jewish, right? That they were the lost tribes of Israel. There are no lost tribes of Israel. Those who were taken by Assyria, some of them returned. Um, and those who were taken by Babylon, some of those guys returned and they made up what was in Israel today. Remember that, that um, the, um, there was someone in the temple who knew they were from Ishkar. Uh, uh, Paul was from Benjamin. Um, Jesus was from Judah. Right? Um, you have um, uh, Zechariah, John the Baptist, um, who his dad was a priest, so he would have been from Levi. So we have, there are no lost Jews that haven't been scattered, and it, it's been lied about. As far as them using this passage, which is Revelation 3 9, um, to say what they say is just unbelievable. It's anti Semitism, is really what it is. He says, I will indeed make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews but not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. There was persecution in the early church by Jews. Paul of Tarsus, who became a leader in Israel, was one of the main persecutors there. And when he says, that they are Jews, but they lie. He's talking about they say they're worshiping the one true living God, but they're not. He's not denying them being Israel. It's the same thing, mistake they make um, in Romans when it says that all are Israel, that we're all ruled by God. He's making a play on a word. We're all ruled by God. And so then they say, since all are Israel, then the nation of Israel doesn't exist. The people aren't really Jewish today as well. But you, you don't isolate one verse. Take out a verse and make it say something that you want it to say or that you want them to believe. And I quoted this verse earlier, but I think it would be good to put it up on the screen for you. This is um, Romans 11. I'm going to go to verse 25. And here, Paul has been talking about the nation of Israel not following because they tried to do it by the law and that it's by faith that you're saved. And so here he says, I do not, uh, let's see, for I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant. And if ever the Bible tells us that he doesn't want us to be ignorant, we ought to really listen to it. Of this mystery, lest you be wise in your own opinion. And that's what happened. That blindness in part has happened to Israel. Okay, so blindness has happened to them in part. Why in part? Because some are being saved until the fullness of the Gentiles have come in. We heard Jesus say that Jerusalem was going to be trampled underfoot by the Gentile until the time of the Gentiles were, were complete. So think about that. So if the time of the Gentiles is complete, then the Jews are back in Jerusalem. Then Jesus believed that the Jews who would be returning would be true Israel. So, until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Now, once that happens, all of Israel will be saved. Why? When? When the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. The fullness of the Gentiles has not come in yet. There's still more Gentiles being saved, which means that Jews that are around today are genuine Jews and they're all going to be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness of Jacob. For this is the covenant um, with them when I take away their sins. So God eventually takes away their sins. Who's the one who takes away sins? Isaiah uh, 53, 6, that upon the suffering servant who died to take away our iniquity. And so uh, this argument that the Jews that are there are not really Jews or that Israel is not really Israel today, that the church is Israel today, is, in, in my opinion, it's unbiblical and extremely dangerous. And it causes those who believe such a thing to lean towards anti-Semitism because they believe that the church is the real Israel and that Israel is the real Israel, that, but yet they've returned, as the Bible said. The Bible said in the last days, God was going to bring them back into, uh, into the land. Let me see if I can get to a, a verse here and, and read this to you. Um, 
let's see, the land will be desolate, but the Bible foretold the land was going to be come desolate. The land was going to be restored. God said to the mountains of God, uh, of Israel, you shall shoot forth your branches and yield forth your fruit uh, to my people Israel, for they are about to come. That's Ezekiel 36 through 39. If you want to find out, if you want to go look it up for yourself, for indeed I am for you and I will turn from you. The Bible says that in the last days, God's going to bring down the nation of Gog against the nation of Israel in the latter days. Uh, and that is, let me see if I can get to that real quick here. Um, yeah, this is Ezekiel 38, 16. You will come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. This is talking about the coalition of uh, Persia and Magog, which some believe is Turkey or Russia. And then it says, let me read from the beginning, you will come up against my people Israel in a cloud to cover the land. It will be in the latter days that I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know uh, when I am hollowed in you, O Gog, before their eyes. So God's going to be hollowed in the defeat of Gog and Magog when they come against the people of Israel. Again, the beginning of that verse. You will come against my people, Israel, like a cloud to cover the land. It will be in the latter days. So in the latter days, the people of Israel, the genuine people of Israel, will be in the land itself. All right, there's more to the argument and there's more that we can argue with it. But Jesus himself believed that the Jews were going to return to Jerusalem. Ezekiel says that in the latter days, there's going to be this coalition coming up against God's people who are back in Israel again. It also says to the mountains, my people are about to come and that God called them from the north, the south, the east and the west and brought them back into uh, the land of Israel. Uh, and let me see. Um, Isaiah 11, 11 and 12. It shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again a second time to recover the remnant of his people who are left from Assyria and Egypt and Pathos and Cush and Elam and Shinar from Helmuth and the islands of the sea. He will set up a banner for the nations and will assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. And this all again takes place in the latter days, and we are living in the latter days now. Notice it said there, I will put up my hand a second time. The first time he regathered Israel was after Babylon. The second time was after they were dispersed by the Romans. Okay? So hopefully that helps um, with your question, Melissa, and I do appreciate it. All right? So um, we'll just look here and see uh, if we have any more questions. Uh, it's good to have you guys here with us today. I, I know that a lot of people are interested in exactly um, what it says. Um, uh, the um, all right, yeah. There's there's a question here. Didn't have a question in front of it. I'm not sure if it is. Um, let's see. Um, so Melissa Cadman. Um, social media comments are saying the Jews currently in Israel are not Israel. Israel. Okay, yeah, so I already covered that, and I appreciate that. All right, so um, uh, Jari has a follow-up uh, to the question, uh, to earlier, his question earlier. Follow-up, do other nations um, terrorize places, individual humans, and things have angels? Follow-up, do other nations, territories, sorry. Other na I'll just read what's here, Jari, instead of making words up. Other nations, territories, places, individuals, um, humans and things have angels, demons overseeing them, as well as Israel itself. Thanks. Um, Jesus talked about the angels of the children. So, it seems that children have angels. Uh, it says in Hebrews uh, 1.14, are they not all ministering spirits sent to minister to those who have life? So we have angels. And remember that that Hebrews 14, um, Hebrews 1 is talking about the superiority of Jesus over angels. And then he, he says at the end, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who inherit salvation? So we have angels that are helping us now. And there are children that have guardian angels, the angels of their children, who see the face of God, Jesus said. 
So, yes, I believe that there are angels. I believe there's a demonic battle going on all around us. I think that the demonic battle and the, the one that's going on here are intertwined and the things that are going on here are demonic. Um, I think that what Hamas did when Hamas came forward and, and, and killed all those people, murdered babies and the elderly, um, raped and tortured and mass murdered people, I believe that that's demonic. And I would think that it would be demonic that people would, would ever be for it. Like the, like, you know, a harvest, uh, um, a um, Harvard group that came out and said that they were for Hamas. And Harvard had to come out and deny that they were for Hamas because of what the group had said. All right. So we got just a couple more minutes left here. Uh, we have a question from Kimberly. Kimberly says, asking this as a spiritual world question, are the evil terrorist groups who are in the Middle East, who are always fighting good against Israel in the unseen realm as well. Yeah, Kimberly, that was a, that's an interesting question for you to write down there because I just got done talking about that. So yes, I believe that the unseen realm and, and the seen realm are intertwined and that the things that are going on today are, are demonic. And we see it in the book of Daniel and Revelation. We see the dragon who fights against Michael and his angels. Uh, we see there's a constant combat and battle that's taking place. And um, we have been, the Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, the evil one can't touch him. Uh, Jesus said, behold, I give you power to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing will by any means hurt you. So we have been given a lot of, a lot of freedoms um, on it. So, um, let me take another question here um, from, I can't tell what the whole name is there, Jeremiah 31, 36, Revelation 22, 5, and there shall be no night and day for the need, neither light nor the sun, nor God's given them light, they shall reign forever and ever. Well, I'll just say amen to that. That's going to be the case. Um, we want to take questions today that are about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, the Gaza conflict, that's happening uh, today. Um, so, so, same thing, Paul, with your question. I'll just bring it in here real quick. Paul says, why do, and, and the question here is some black Africans think that they are the real Jews. So, we're talking about the um, Hebrew Israelites um, or the black Hebrew Israelites. Um, they're a cult. They, there's no theology they're really venomous. When you start to talk to them, they're going to attack you. Um, it's no reason that they should think that. They do because they make a connection to the, the, the black people of America at one time being slaves. And so they're real Israel because Israel were slaves in Egypt. And so they make some kind of a spiritual connection uh, between the two. And um, I don't know... Um, Again, I don't know all the details about it, but I, but I am fairly familiar um, with the group. All right, so I think we've got time for one more question. And this is from Renee. It's been good to see you guys here today. Renee says, why isn't anyone saying who's really is behind the war? That Satan is behind it all and that it's a spiritual war, but instead the physical war against the flesh. Um, yeah, Renee, it's again interesting. I know you wrote this before we talked about it at the end of this. Um, but we believe that the enemy is behind it, uh, the enemy, the arch, arch enemy, the dragon, Satan, the devil, the serpent um, that was in the garden, all stands against them. Um, God's still on the throne. And we see Israel in this horrible state of events. I um, found myself, I found myself depressed for days after the event happened, just thinking of what those people went through in Israel. Um, a friend of mine brought up that, that ISIS had done a lot of similar things in Iraq and Afghanistan to communities that were different than them, uh, the Kurds and different um, Islam communities. And I guess the difference between that and us hearing about it and this happening was that Hamas recorded it and put it up as a brag so that we saw them celebrating and these poor people suffering and our hearts broke and our prayers are with the people of Israel today 
and Palestinians who are innocent in the Gaza area. And we pray that there would be a minimal loss of life, minimal collateral damage. And we pray for the people of Israel who find themselves under attack um, and that this would not broaden itself into a broader war. All right. So thank you for joining us today. Love you guys. Stay close to Jesus. Uh, walk in the spirit, the Bible says, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So a way you can fight against sinful behavior is to walk in the spirit. Uh, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart, which means your heart desires will change if you delight in the Lord. And the Bible says that with every temptation, there's a way of escape. So as you find yourself tempted, remember Jesus was tempted every way as we are, but he found the way of escape that came from all of them. So look for the way of escape in all of them. Uh, we have a service in about an hour. We're going to be talking, we're going to start our study in the life of David. It's a biography. Um, going through the life of David or a biography style and we're going to see what lessons we can learn from that. Whenever we go through people in the Bible and study their lives, we learn so much. It's really epic from the time he is a child shepherd until he is a, a king for over 40 years in Israel. There are ups and downs, there are highlights and there are lowlights. There are, there are times when there are, is just joy and there is times of horrible t um, horror from the things that were done. And uh, we'll be covering them all over the next few uh, months as we look into the life of David. All right, um, so I appreciate you guys. Uh, we are going to close out now. Uh, we will have another Q&A, and uh, presumably it will not be on the Palestinian-Israeli conflict alone. Uh, we'll go on to what we normally do, uh, which is this is, a, this is an extension of the teaching ministry of the church that I pastor at, Calvary Tucson. All right? Love you guys. God bless you. I'm out. We'll see you later on.